The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Well, good morning, food lovers. We're toasting 2014 with scrumptious snack ideas recipes, sensational sips, and more for a new year that will dazzle. And we're delighted that you've joined us. You've tuned in to KFWB News Talk 980. And whether you're planning an intimate dinner or a big bash, you'll find delicious hors d'oeuvres, cocktails, party dips, and more at chefjamie.com, where we're always serving up seconds. Chef Jamie, along with Lana in your radio, you can gain culinary intelligence right here, right now. And we hope you'll continue to tune in into 2014 as we celebrate 14 years in fact in your radio if you're passionate about the process if you love discovering that perfect recipe carefully selecting your ingredients we hope you'll elevate your passion and stay tuned because we're making every Sunday more delicious and feeding your insatiable appetite of course you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen and you can always email us because we love to hear what you're cooking and in fact Lana we received a few emails you had mentioned um, with regard to some uh, requests for information when it comes to New Year's and pulling out all the stops, which well, is definitely something we do for a celebration. Yes, many people wrote in and wanted to know what our best bets were for champagne for the New Year. Yes, and I think it's a really wonderful conversation to have because I think it brings insight and light to the fact that the wine industry is ever-growing like food, but there are so many incredible choices worldwide now when it comes to bubbly that the typical traditional French champagne from the region of France that you buy for a wedding or an anniversary that, you know, costs $100 a bottle is not the only choice anymore. I mean, you can buy non-vintage. There's some pretty fine stuff, in fact. It means that there's no designated year on the bottle. It's usually a blend. But if you find a particular brand or label that you like, it tends to be consistent year after year. So that's always wonderful to know if you are uh, sure that you want French champagne. But then there's the Italian style Prosecco, which you love, right? And I think it's a great low-cost sparkler. Mm -hmm. And it tastes wonderful. The effervescence is marvelous, and it's a crisp apple, usually citrus type of flavor to it. Right, and it tends not to be too dry, which Mm -hmm. is something that you like, right? Um, I want to make a mention of Cava because it's my best choice, I would say, for um, a traditional sparkling wine that's actually made in the method champenoise, which is made in the traditional French style, but doesn't get categorized or qualified as French champagne. I think it is without a doubt the best value for your money in the non-champagne French fizz. I love what you call it. You call them non-champagne champagnes, yes, right? <laughs> and I think it's often overlooked. So look for cava. Um, the process 
process itself is uh, produced, as I mentioned, in the method traditional. So the bubbles are formed in the bottle. And there's some really amazing values. And I'll give you one specifically that I happen to love. I think that this particular Spanish cava has a killer brioche flavor on the palate. Mm. And I never met anybody that didn't like, like good butter bread, right? I mean, you love brioche mm-hmm. in every form. So look for the Marquez de Galida. It's Marquez de G-E-L-I-D-A, Brut Cava, under $20, great bottle. And by the way, 90 plus rated by Robert Parker. So Ooh. a good cava pick. How about Australia? Yeah, there actually are some really interesting mm-hmm. bubbles from around the world, Australia being one of them that yes. we didn't mention. I love the Greg Norman Estate Sparkling Pinot. Yeah, we like Greg Norman. It's yes. a good value, too, mm-hmm. and it's available across the country. And I'll mention, too, that one of the better values for money, too, um, in fizz, comes from Alsace, and it's called Cremant d'Alsace mm. and it has lots of rich strawberry and beautifully uh, finished sort of cream uh, in the finish I happen to love it it's inexpensive and it's perfect for a new year's toast um, mm. and it happens to pair beautifully with sweets so consider it as well oh that's nice and then also the non-vintage Schramsberg a brut rosé that's your best pick right yes, yes. It is. we do we do love Schramsberg if you're pulling out all the stops um, one of the questions that we receive via email is as well, which I thought was so interesting, um, was a request to touch on caviar, which is really a glorious pairing for bubbles, by the way, because sparkling wine or champagne or anything with the effervescence in a bottle like that is beautifully paired with salty, briny goodness. So if you're serving a seafood uh, buffet, if you're um, making a a glorious uh, snack bar of sorts, maybe you're putting out uh, different style popcorn, the only thing to pair is champagne. Maybe you're putting out um, a beautiful dulce de leche glazed ham. The saltiness of the ham gorgeously paired, again, with bubbly. Mm. So caviar fits into that category perfectly. And this year, there's a lot of very tasty and budget-friendly caviars on the market. Yes, that there are. You don't have to buy traditional sturgeon caviar anymore. There are lots of choices. I mean, you can certainly um, go big or go home, as I like to say, right? (laughs) Go Ocetra or Beluga if you like, but there's paddlefish caviars that you find um, garnishing a lot of our favorite dishes in restaurants across the country. Um, And then you find the non-traditional, like the salmon roe that you know from the sushi bar has this big, beautiful Mm -hmm. egg and a beautiful burst of flavor Mm -hmm. that you love. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes gorgeously with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean, you could make an omelet on New Year's Day morning with herbed uh, cream cheese or a boursin or your favorite Mm. fontina, and you could top it with some salmon roe, and you have a a glorious start to the day. Mm. And with a glass of champagne, they're lovely on a blini with a little creme fraiche. Beautiful. I happen to love to top steamed potatoes. Melissa's potatoes cut in half after they've been steamed with that same dollop of creme fraiche and a topping of caviar. And salmon roe works beautifully here. And so do tobiccos in the Asian style, that little teeny egg that has that brilliant pop. They're flavored as well. You can find wasabi tobiko for those that love spicy. You can find ginger tobiko. Um, And they make a beautiful garnish for everything from um, your blinis to potato pancakes. Maybe you've made smoked trout mousse. You're serving it piped onto an egg endive leaf and it needs a little garnish Mm, Uh, the salmon roe or the tobiko come in beautifully there Um, I I think that they tend to add that that wonderful salty 
fabulous flavor, but they add, I think, just an, an essence of elegance that can't be beat as well. So, And don't forget the smoked salmon on the blini. With the salmon caviar. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I like that compounded flavor. I'll never forget there was a, a dish that you made in years past, and I think it's a beautiful compliment to pasta, caviar that is, that gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Didn't you make linguine with like creme fraiche and tarragon or creme fraiche and dill mm-hmm. all just tossed together and then smoked salmon and salmon roe? Mm-hmm. Oh, salmon and dill go together so perfectly. And I love the idea of the caviar because of the pop texturally in contrast to silky smooth pasta Mm -hmm. that Mm. would be a terrific new year's eve big bowl kind of feast for friends and family to gather around dill is such an underused uh, herb don't you think i I agree entirely and it grows rampant by the way second to mint if you want to plant some for 2014 in your garden um, it's certainly a wonderful one to have on hand i'm having um, a spanish inspired New Year's Eve um, with Spanish tapas and paella. That's a great um, crowd-pleasing, wonderful meal as well. Or you could do all antipasti um, for New Year's too. Um, But you must have some pull-out-the-stops, all-the-stops, desserts. And I love your Mm -hmm. Cook with Lana recipe this week because this one looks so very impressive, but it's really um, quite simple. Well, the poached pears with a warm chocolate pear sauce. The poached pears can be made days in advance. Yes. You could do them today. Most certainly. They taste better as they soak up all Mm -hmm. the good uh, poaching liquid. They do. And in this recipe, I reduce the uh, sauce and then add chocolate to it to make it into a chocolate pear sauce. Yeah, I think that's genius. So it's nice and easy. And I learned to make that from Mm -hmm. you. And I love that. And it is nice and easy. You make your poached pears in a white wine-based poaching Mm -hmm. liquid. I tend to go the red wine route. Um, just depending upon your style, you could use white wine and splash it with Grand Marnier or your favorite liqueur, which is what you do. You could use a dry red wine or something fruity like a Beaujolais Nouveau if you have the inexpensive bottle that I, I think mm. cooks down beautifully for poached pears. It's a it's a great choice. Um, and I like the color that the red wine infuses, but remember they don't have to be liquor laden as well. You can actually poach pears in um, your favorite apple cider or apple juice or straight pear nectar if you wanted. And I love your sauce idea with the chocolate Mm. whisked in. If you are going to make the pears, the poached pears in advance, take them out of the poaching liquid, let them cool, let the poaching liquid cool, and then store them all together back in the poaching liquid in the fridge. They won't overcook that way. If you let them cool completely in the liquid, they tend to overcook. So I always like to remove them from the pot and then put them back Mm -hmm. in the liquid so they infuse their flavor over the next couple of days. Mm. And then when you're feeling indulgent on New Year's Day morning and you have a leftover half a poached pear. Breakfast. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, what else, right? Um, I love the idea of a DIY New Year's Eve party mm-hmm. because that way you get to celebrate and revel in the fun. So I'm putting out a DIY cocktail bar. And one of the things that I think makes a, the best do-it-yourself bar are homemade simple syrups. So we've posted at chefjamie.com our Think Like a Chef feature all about well-made cocktails using simple syrups. I think it's a mandatory to have in a well-stocked bar. And 
if you want to create some creative cocktails, like a jalapeno simple syrup gives you sweet spicy, or a mint simple syrup is perfect for those um, that are the designated drivers. Maybe they flavor their iced tea, or you make a ginger simple syrup um, for those that love a gin or Mm. vodka-based cocktail. And don't forget a champagne cocktail. Lovely. And you could infuse the simple syrup that way too. You could make pomegranate simple syrup and make your own um, champagne cocktails. And how about the grapes in the sh- glass of champagne? Oh, yes. I love this idea. So you brought this up a couple days ago. And one of the things we try to keep in mind for New Year's, of course, is to add that element of good luck. There are so many foods from around the world that bring good luck for the new year. Um, one of which is in the Spanish style, the tradition of eating 12 grapes mm-hmm. at midnight. But you you like to cut those yeasty, wonderful grapes from Melissa's, which I happen to love the Moscato in half and drop that into your champagne glass mm-hmm. in the place of a sugar cube. Anything for good luck. Uh, anything for good luck. That's right. We'll take it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, speaking of good luck, um, but rather um, baking talent, congratulations. Our winners have been named on Facebook at Chef Jamie Gwen uh, from our cookie swap contest. Thank you to our pastry chef, Abby Dodge, and to all of the submissions. Um, Sarah, from Seattle. You are our grand prize winner of a $100 Hey Lala Vanilla gift basket. All the best of vanilla products from paste and syrup and more. And then um, Janie and Paula, you are our second and third runner-up. You each receive a copy of Abby Dodge's most recent cookbook and along with ours as well. So thank you for Mm -hmm. celebrating in great cookie style. Yes, congratulations. It was a great cookie swap party and uh, we certainly loved receiving all your wonderful recipes recipes. Stay tuned because you can gather more fabulous insight, inspiration, and recipes from Chef William Bradley of Addison at the Grand Del Mar sharing his New Year's inspiration. Mediterranean talent Zove Karamardian has an exclusive menu for us coming up. Plus, we're beer pairing with the expert John Hole. Stay tuned. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Nothing changes. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We are delighting in the season. And with New Year's just a few days away, you are about to experience a moment of culinary nirvana. Yes, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show. And we love a chef's perspective when it comes to holiday meals. His immense passion and talent is truly apparent. And his creative juices are always brewing. And we do love it when he joins us here in your radio. At Addison Restaurant, the Grand Del Mar Resort in North San Diego, of which Lana and I are great fans, Chef William Bradley delights palates nightly with his sensory experiences, sophistication, beauty, and class on a plate. Lauded as one of the world's best places to stay, the Grand Del Mar combines old world charm with modern amenities. Addison Restaurant is where this Relay and Chateau-rated Grand Chef is at the helm, Five star, five diamonds, seasonal culinary excellence. It just doesn't get any better than this. We are delighted to have Chef William Bradley in your radio once again. Welcome, Chef. Thank you for all the kind words. Thank you. Well deserved. As we enter into a new year, we are certainly leaving 2013 in delicious style. And we got our hands on your New Year's Eve menu at Addison. Lana and I salivated just as mm. soon as we got to Kumamoto Oysters, just for the record. Mm. What are your favorite celebratory foods to cook with? We really stick with the traditional sense of, you know, cooking within the season. 
it's something that's been going on for centuries, and we just really, really pay a tremendous amount of respect to that. You know, obviously harvesting, you know, the best ingredients that we can obviously source, and then applying the proper technique to the ingredient to maximize its delicious flavors. Because I feel all ingredients have a moment of deliciousness, and it's my job as a chef is to know when to serve those to our guests and make sure that it's a memorable experience for them. A moment of deliciousness. Mm. Every really food has potential. What, what <laughs> yeah. an extraordinary concept, chef. From doing this for many, many years, I've been very blessed to work in kitchens at a very high level to where you're surrounded with great ingredients. So, you know, I've, I've, I can say now that, you know, I've seen some trends come and go in food, and that's really made me, you know, focus more and more on what I've always truly believed in is really trying to maximize flavor because that's, in my opinion, what we truly come out to dine for is to taste something that really, really is, 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 is memorable. So over the years, we've really focused on that, and that always reverts back to the seasons and, and utilizing the top quality ingredients. I love that you're true to yourself and true to your style, and seeing that we're heard across yeah. the country on this show, I do love, too, that even though your favorite ingredients, as I'd like to call them, are seasonal um, so much of what we love to eat is available across the country and year-round, uh, you know, as a whole. So would sure, you inspire sure. us with oysters? Let's say we're planning oysters on our own New Year's menu. Share your secrets, please. Right. I mean, obviously what I look for in an oyster, and there's so many different varieties, it's sampling a lot of these varieties of anything and coming up with the ones that you enjoy. I really enjoy the Kumamoto's because... They're one of those oysters that have so much texture, and they really have that kind of sweet, brininess flavor. And I feel that they're just one of those oysters that are very versatile. Some oysters are a little bit larger, but the ones that we use here, the kumamoto's, are just beautiful. And then the key with any type of seafood, especially shellfish, is to make sure that you apply some type of acid to it. And I mean, classically, mignonettes and things like that with oysters are always something that you can do. But by changing it up, and making a mousseline, you add kind of like that real, I would say, sophisticated kind of lux luxurious mm -hmm. texture by adding those to the oysters. So you get the brininess, uh, that ocean flavor, the horseradish, which adds a little bit of heat, then the lime, and then the saltiness of the caviar. Oh, that's a, a perfect combination. What a combo is well, right. And I know, Chef, that you love scallops as well sure. as salmon. You're definitely a seafood guru, I'd like to say. And, and caviar falls in there, which we've been talking about caviar a little earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. And we'd love your take on, are you uh, a beluga, cetera, savruga? But back to scallops for a moment. Can you give us yeah. some tips as, as a starter or for searing? Sure, sure. Obviously, scallops this time of year for us are, 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 are at the peak season. Mm -hmm. It's very cold. They're a shellfish that obviously thrive in the cold weather. So we get them live in the shells, which they're just absolutely fabulous. So with cooking scallops, you know, one thing that I know people look at doing, but it always, in my opinion, uh, is somewhat of can run into an issue, is when they over-sear them. Uh, people like to really caramelize scallops, which really takes out a lot of their natural sweetness flavor, and you're picking up the umami flavor from the caramelization in the pan. So what I would do with scallops, if you're looking for that flavor profile, umami, which you pairs very well, with scallops, put that into like a broth or your sauce component. But with scallops, you should just bake them in the oven lightly with a little bit of butter 
and slurred a smell on them, which then allows them to have that really, you know, genuine, silky, soft texture, and you really get the sweetness from them by cooking them this way. Because when you do sear them, they tend to really, really lose their sweetness, and it turns into more of a texture. So I find they always get uh, tough when I, when I do that. Exactly right. You know, people look at you know a big scallop with a caramelized caramelization on them, and you're right. They they tend to get very, 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 very tough. And that's again, a scallop should be consumed almost raw. Our mm-hmm. preparation for sometimes using the scallops in the season is we do them raw, sashimi mm-hmm. style. That's my mm-hmm. favorite at the sushi bar. Mm-hmm. I will say there's oh, something yeah. luxurious about the texture of a yes. raw scallop. Yes. And so if you bake it like Chef mentions, or if you cook it. Briefly, are you talking just minutes in the oven? Yes, we're looking at maybe 350 for four minutes max. Uh-huh. Oh. I can't wait to try that. Scallops just went on my New Year's Eve menu, a la mm-hmm. William Bradley. By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. We are three days away from New Year's Eve and celebrating fabulous food here in your radio and into 2014 as well. And we're delighted to have Chef William Bradley with us of Addison Restaurant at the Grand Del Mar Resort, North San Diego, my favorite. Mm -hmm. Chef, let's stay on the seafood conversation, if you would, because I I love the twist from the trend, like the tips that you give on scallops make us better cooks. So Dover Sole on Brioche was on your Christmas menu, and we'd like to bring it back. (laughs) Sure, sure. Talk to us, if you would. Is it a crust? Is it the the sweet, buttery flavor of brioche imparted into the fish? How? There's a technique that we do here. Uh, you can call it like a viennese or a panade. So we basically take brioche bread and we toast it. And after we've toasted it, we mix half part toasted brioche that's been bound like breadcrumbs in a Vitamix so it's nice and flaky. And then we take full or uncooked brioche. I'm, I'm not, not toasted brioche. So you mix half and half and then you add an egg and then you slowly put it into the food processor and you add clarified butter until it becomes like a paste. And then we spread this very, very, very thin, like it almost looks like dough when it, when it becomes this technique, on a sheet pan, and then you freeze it, and then you cut these strips, oh. and then you lay the strips over the raw Dover sole, and then you bake it like you said in the salamander, and once the actual brioche cannot starts to just lightly brown, the fish is cooked perfectly. Oh. Okay, excuse me, I have to go cook. Yes, excuse me, I have to go slide off my chair. This is the closest we get when we're not at Addison Dining to, I think, true culinary nirvana. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to speak about salmon, which I know you are a great fan of. So your favorite preparation or even um, what you plan to do in 2014 as January rolls around with new and exciting dishes on your menu. We've really... uh tried a lot of techniques with salmon over the years. One that I'm a big fan of at home, that people can use at home, I know it's an age-old thing, is cooking it on cedar plank. It's mm. really, really, really good. You know, yeah, you take Amazing like, flavor, right? Yeah, you can take like a pear and cherry cider and reduce that down and then finish it with a little mustard, like like palm, Dijon, and I would say, I'd say more like a pomeray mustard, and then just glaze that over the fish on a uh, cedar plank and then in the oven, it'd be really good this time of year. Oh, would it? That'd be something fun at home. What we do here, we do um, a method that I was taught many, many years ago. It was a method that was brought to us by a chef by the name of Freddy Jardet. 
and it's still my all-time favorite way of cooking salmon. It's where we cure it. So mm-hmm. you actually take your sides of salmon and give it a generous portion, like you're almost going to smoke salmon, of salt, which pulls all the moisture out of the salmon. And then from there, we'd cut our pave pieces, and then we'd take cold butter and basically put butter on it like if it was actually a cake, a small little cake, and then let that set, too, for 24 hours when the butter would harden over the fish, and it would just look like a butter block. And then you would bake that in the oven at 220 degrees for 20 minutes. Oh, it's like self-basting butter poached. Yes. Chef, what will you be toasting with New Year's Eve night? Because we will be celebrating you as well. Sure, sure. Hopefully uh, a glass of Cruz yes. or Martinelli's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. Well, one of the two, depending upon how long the night is. Well, we're, sure. we're very joyful about the new blessing that came into your family. I know yeah. uh, this is your first Christmas with your new baby girl. And so um, we hope that your holiday season uh, continues to be full of wonderful joy. And we thank thank you you for always sharing your tremendous passion. I I think there's something extraordinary about camaraderie in the food industry. And Mm -hmm. I will personally tell you that this is a gentleman I aspire to learn from and grow my culinary knowledge with. And I feel it always uh, just a grand experience to have you on the radio, Chef. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. He is Executive Chef William Bradley. His culinary talents have garnered significant praise since the Grand Del Mar's signature dining venue opened, that is Addison Restaurant, in Southern California. It is the only Forbes five-star AAA five-diamond restaurant named one of Gallo's top ten U.S. restaurants. Um, and no doubt, this is a grand chef of the Relay and Chateau. Uh, we thank you so much once again, Chef. We'll talk to you in 2014. All right. I hope to see you guys soon. Enjoy. Yeah, we look forward to Happy it New well. Year to you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We're continuing to create sparkling ideas for the new year. Stay with us. We'll toast right after this. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio celebrating a sparkling season with New Year's just days away. We're delighted that you're tuned in because this next woman is one of our dear friends and no doubt a restaurant idol. Chef, restaurateur, teacher, and cookbook author Zov Karamardian was born in Israel to Armenian parents, raised in Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq, and talk about a culinary background. In 1987, she founded the legendary Zov's Bistro and Bakery in Tustin, California, and it has become a culinary institution. She serves unique cuisine that blends contemporary style with Eastern Mediterranean influences, And she now has five locations in Southern California that we love. Her muhammada is outrageously addictive. We can't get enough of her Moroccan salmon and her famous calamari. And she has planned a Mediterranean menu exclusively for us for New Year's Eve. And we are so delighted to welcome her back on the radio. She is Zov Karamardian and she is here Hi, Zov. How are you? How are you, Chef Jamie? It's so nice to be on the show today. Thank yes. you so much for La- having me. Lana and I are very delighted. Thank you. Yes. Good to be on your show again. Of course. Thank you. So, okay, plan for us, if you would, a Mediterranean New Year's Eve. I've always loved, and Lana and I talk a lot about all of your different influences 
and right. how you were really, I believe, on the cutting edge because you incorporated a lot of the flavors and the unique ingredients from the Middle East into your cooking before it was even a popular to infuse mm. ethnic flavor. Right. You brought together the best of all the tastes. Thank yes, you. for well, sure. For me, it was no-brainer because <laughs> I was really exposed to all those ingredients at home when my mother cooked. And, of course, being in California... Everything is at our fingertips. We can get anything that we want, and you go to the farmer's market and you see certain things. You just create a menu according to what you see that's available. And using those spices have always been my passion and my love of cooking, is how to incorporate these wonderful warm spices that come together in the food. Okay, so Zove, if you were to have to pick three essential pantry ingredients for 2014 that we could add Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, ethnic influence to our dishes, what would those three spices be? Those three spices would be all in one. It's called Rasul Hanout. Rasul Hanout. Yes, which is Moroccan, and it is cardamom. It has coriander. It has cumin, it has paprika, it has all those elements. Mm. And then what you do is you really get the seeds and you toast them and then you grind them all together. And this flavor is just unbelievable. And it goes in a lot of things as well. And they go on roast. There we go. They go on fish, on chicken. Tell us how to spell that. Russell, R-A-S-L, Hanut, H-A. And O-U-T. It's pretty uh, North African, but honestly, it's become really, really popular. That's what I was going to say. It's become very popular as we've seen the growth of coriander. Correct. Right? And it's three words. R-A-S-E-L-H-A-N-O-U-T. Russell Hanut. Russell Hanut. And what I think is... Yes. What I think it's amazing about it, as you mentioned, is it's very versatile. So you could use it as a dry rub, right? Like you said. Season a roast. For pork, for For pork, for anything. And then put it into the pan. And then it's also used as a finishing spice. Absolutely. So it has, I think, a great breath as to what it can be used for. for sure. So it starts and it finishes the dish. When it comes to all of your New Year's Eve dishes, we were so excited about the menu. We posted it at chefjamie.com. That's We've awesome. posted all the recipes that you've shared as well generously, Zove. Thank, Thank you. you. And oh, a direct link. Yes. <laughs> a direct link to zoves.com as well. But take us through the menu and start at Muhammara, please. Most of the time, most people didn't know what Muhammara was. And um, <clears throat> the more we serve it at the restaurant, the more people became addicted to it. Basically, it's ground walnuts, pomegranate molasses, it has onion, it has cumin, it has um, olive oil, and also the spices. It has uh, cayenne pepper, mm-hmm. and it also has a little bit of uh, sugar in there. So the sweet and the spiciness just takes you over the edge. May I mention, Lana, because we are all a part of the Melissa's Produce family right, here. We yes, yes, we are. We are. Yeah. Zove, you and I. Uh, I think we're the closest we get to family with, right. without being blood-related <laughs> um, the to truth. the Melissa's clan. But the last muhammara that you made, mm-hmm. Lana, from Zove's recipe was with the Melissa's Red, Red Walnuts. Yes. Correct. Yes. Oh, Zove. That was delicious. Fabulous. Outrageous. And it's something that um, they're carrying now. Mm. It's not bitter. Not it's at very, all. It's yeah. very sweet, and it's really nice. It yeah. has a great 
smoky flavor mm-hmm. to it. They're wonderful. I keep them in my freezer. Me too. Yes. Me too. I do that. They really Jeez. stay fresh for a long time. Savvy so foodies sharing mm-hmm. my tips. I love it. Okay, <laughs> take us next. I love dips at the holidays. And at New Year's, too, these recipes are really, many of them make ahead. So you make the muhamara, which I think tastes better. Two weeks ahead yes, of right. It tastes better the second or third yeah, day. Really and then you have a roasted feta cheese dip, which yes, I right. love feta, but the idea of the flavor of uh, a roasted feta. Exactly. What you do is you roast your uh, your peppers, right. your roasted red pepper paste. You add to it, and then you add some um, some oregano or some herbs in there, whatever you like, a little bit of olive oil. Mix it together with the feta cheese. It's almost like a pink Yes, but the smokiness of the peppers and the sun-dried tomatoes, yeah, it tones down the 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 saltiness of the feta. Uh, Take us to the kebabs. Everybody loves something on a stick. Yeah, the lulu kebab is really a fun dish. It's nice to have that lemongrass stick there. It's just basically ground beef and some garlic and cilantro, has some ginger, salt and pepper, and then, of course, some lemon um, uh, lemongrass sticks that you wrap around it, and then tzatziki sauce for dipping. It's healthy, yes. and it's easy, and you could freeze those ahead of time. <gasps> you can? You could make the kebab ahead of time, roll mm-hmm. them out in the, in the sticks, and just wrap each one separately. Right, and that's because you're using ground meat, so you're right. able to, if you were doing a slice of meat, like on a traditional kebab, It'd be different. it would be mm-hmm. different, but Correct. because Zov uses the ground beef right. and adds all the flavor adds to it, flavor. and with the soy sauce, it stays very moist, mm-hmm. very moist right, and, and then freeze them and then pop them on a... On should, we, should, uh, should I defrost them before yes, I... you take them out probably a couple hours before. And then you put them on a cookie sheet and you put them cookie under the broiler. Or, pan or whatever. Right, three to four minutes and yeah, you have this golden caramelized yummy awesome. snack. Uh, we love the classic prawns with the cocktail sauce. That yes. is no doubt your style of cocktail <laughs> sauce. And then there is this zucchini fritter mm. that Lana actually was tempted to get up and make rather than talk <laughs> to us, which I don't know. But there's something about something fried and you know, fabulous. Fried food. We love fried anything. Yeah. We fried. don't call it fried anymore, by the way. We call it in our homes crispy. Crispy, there yeah. you go. It's <laughs> actually a cross between a potato pancake or latkes, but mm-hmm. it's made with zucchini. But you put in it mint, fresh mint, fresh oh. chives, mint fresh mint dill. Mint is the secret ingredient oh. in this thing here. It's mm. so wonderful. And mint is available all over, all the time. It's oh, a very and- uh, common thing to find. And the ingredients in this dish also is not far out. People have eggs, they have parsley, mm-hmm. they have onions, they have uh, lemon, you know. It's easy, easy to find. things to have in your pantry mm-hmm. to make this dish. And this is so New Year's because oh, so it tops it with gravlocks. Yeah, yeah, see, the smoked salmon really dresses it up. Oh, and it I does. think it's a great lesson Wonderful. for New Year's. Let's remember, do not crowd the pan when you make that's right. Most it gets important. soggy. It gets soggy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Temperature drops mm-hmm. and it gets greasy. 
And then last but not least on your list of uh, Mediterranean New Year's Eve ideas. And by the way, if you just tuned in, you're really late. She is Zove Karamardian, and she's celebrating New Year's with us in Mediterranean style at Zove's.com. You'll find her restaurant empire and all her fabulous food at ChefJamie.com. You'll find the recipes that we're dishing about. Uh, the arancini, very yeah. Italian style, a rice very ball. Italian. Stuffed well, with burrata, again, crispy. though. Again, crispy. Yes, crispy. You can do this ahead of time. Yeah, but when you wrote burrata cheese and you sent it to Lana, she slid off her chair. <laughs> <laughs> because one bite, you take one bite, oh. and it just oozes right out. If oh you've ever God. made arancini before, they originally were made with a hard mozzarella. Correct. And, you know, the cheese melts, but it gets cold very it's, fast. It gets hard. It's too chewy, and when... I, I had not thought of it myself, so when I saw your fresh, beautiful burrata-stuffed arancini, and I thought to myself, oh, burrata, I believe, is one of the foods sent from well, heaven. My most favorite cheese. Oh, like mango and uh, yeah, right. all, lobster, all the good stuff. But right, right. there's a beauty to the ricotta on the inside and the very thin, uh, almost coating, covering mm -hmm. uh, the enclosure of Fresh mozzarella. Correct. So you get the best of both worlds. You get yeah. something composed inside the arancini, but you get the mouthfeel of oh, burrata. totally, totally. <laughs> so we know that 2014 is uh, set to be a delicious one in your restaurants and your um, constant commitment to bringing new flavors um, and new influence to your restaurants as well, along with great talents like yourself. We're excited for February. Carla Hall, yes. our friend from The mm. Chew and Bravo, who was a fan favorite on Top Chef, um, will be joining Zove in the kitchen. And you can find more information at zoves.com. And then we will see you in the new year, Zove. For sure. Because I can't make Muhammara myself <laughs> all the time. We'll have to make it together. How I would love that. that uh, so nice. Our yeah. best to you and your family in 2014 with lots of love. Mm -hmm. Same to you. We can't thank wait you. to have you back on in the new year. And thank you again for sharing what is, I think, a marvelous Mediterranean New Year's Eve menu that we will make using your recipes with great pride. Thank you so much. Chef Jamie and Lana. It was wonderful thank being on Thank you, show. you, so Thank you. Take care. Lots of information at chefjamie.com and at zoves.com as well. Don't touch your dial. There's more sparkling and scintillating conversation all about fabulous food right after this. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. We are soaking your palate. Because we're living in a frothy golden age of American beer. No doubt, with more than 2,500 breweries in the United States producing upwards of 100 styles of variations of craft beer, it's the breweries and the brew pubs across the nation that are elevating the food that we eat. There is a new cookbook out, in fact, from beer journalist and uh, the gentleman that is considered one of the finest beer experts in this country, a radio host himself on iHeartRadio. He is John Hole, and his book is called The American Craft Beer Cookbook. He's traveled the country and collected more than 150 recipes from the beer-centric chefs and restaurants that are definitely illustrating that delicious intersection of the culinary road where food and beer meet. And he has joined us to dish, and I am delighted. John, welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's always wonderful to hear beer talked about in those terms. So thanks for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. Yes, of course. Talk to us, if you would, about the principles of beer pairing, because 
knowing that you are a diehard beer lover and that you have visited more than something like 900 breweries around the world, I read. Yeah, I drink a lot. You yeah. Drink, yeah, I like that about you. Um, you, you <laughs> must have some really basic, simple guidelines, if you would, for those beer lovers and even wine drinkers and cocktail aficionados to learn to better pair the hops and the acidity and some of the richness of beer with our favorite foods. If we start thinking about beer as a food itself, I think that it's going to become very easy to pair Mm. a good beer with good food. So when you think about the four main ingredients in beer, and that's water, malt, hops, and yeast, each of those uh, individual ingredients themselves have uh, individual flavor compounds to them. So water can have a mineral content or some sulfur content to it. The malt, depending on how it's kilned, which means roasted, can have everything from uh, cereal-type grains to fresh toast to chocolate and coffee and toffee. Hops can have notes of citrus or pine or tropical fruit. And then yeast is so varied where you get everything from banana to clove to bubblegum, stone fruits, honey, flowers. And when you start thinking about those individual ingredients and then how they all come together into a specific beer, you can start finding ways that it can relate to what's on your plate or what's in your bowl. Right, and I think that that's a very similar mentality to the food and wine pairing that we've done for so long. You're just taking beer out of the shadow from wine and trying to elevate it, I think, to that same status of complementary pairings. And I love that in the book you mention host a beer party because I think people think I'm crazy, John. I always say have an olive oil tasting. Dip your bread in salt. I mean, I think that's the way that you perfect your palate and determine what you like the most. And you have to be able to span across multiple beers to determine which pleases your palate the most. The opportunity to drink a variety of so many beers these days has never been greater in the United States. There's now more than 2,500 breweries operating in the country, and there's a statistic that says uh, the majority of Americans now live within 10 miles of a brewery. So you can go down the road and get a local beer or several local beers from the same maker or walk into a bottle shop and pick up 12 different variations of the same style from 12 different breweries and have a beer tasting and find one that fits your palate because you know, much like wine, much like spirits, brewers have their own interpretations on styles and varieties. I love this idea of elevating brunch and serving something sparkling, whether it be a champagne or a Spanish cava or an Italian prosecco, and then right alongside this bubbly brewski of sorts where I've never seen it before. You're combining orange juice or grapefruit juice with your favorite beer and a half a shot or so of triple sec. I think that's an amazing cocktail inspiration. Thanks. And one of the reasons I mentioned a white beer, like a Belgian wit beer, which is typically brewed with orange peel and coriander. So it already had some of those complementary flavors in the juices as well. So it elevates uh, some of those nice citrus notes in there as well. And I wanted to have a breakfast chapter because people don't always think about beer 
for breakfast, uh, you know, outside of like a joke in college or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Frank Sinatra used to say that you can't drink all day unless you start in the morning. And, so and isn't that, that true? Is a, as good a place <laughs> to any to, to start the book. And the, and the beer mocha is certainly one of them. And whenever I serve it at the house or if I'm traveling with friends, sure. it's always a hit. People respond well to it. Yeah, I can't wait to try it and to serve it as well. So thank you for the inspiration. I will say one of my favorite pairings is beer and shellfish. And we know the beer and oyster combination has become uh, certainly prevalent across the country. And I think it's one of the better pairings. But you make an American wheat beer steamed clams. And I love this idea. I happen to be a Hefeweizen lover as well. So the German beer, really fabulous as a shellfish pairing. Is that a, is that a, a good basic rule to live by? When I was coming up with that particular recipe, I really thought about how you serve shellfish or how you serve clams. And typically, you'll have a little squeeze of lemon over mm-hmm. it. Or at least when I'm up in Cape Cod in the summers, that's what we would do. And so I started thinking about, well, what beers do you, do you put a lemon in? And the Hefeweizen came to my mind. And I said, well, why don't I just try steaming it rather than in white wine or in water or seawater? Um, why don't I try this beer? And, and the, the lemon flavors, some of those, those wheat flavors that you're already associating with the lemon really come through into the clams. Uh, themselves, and that was just, that's just, it's just a fun pairing. And that's, again, one of those things that I like to promote is think about beer in food terms. Think about the individual flavors in the beer, and then you can find it a food to match it. I like that premise. Thank you. That's a good one to pair by. We look forward to tuning in to iHeartRadio. John Hole is the host of Beer Briefing, and you can learn more on his website, plus see some of his NBC Weekend Today in New York features at John Hole, J-O-H-N Hole, H-O-L-L dot com. The book is called The American Craft Beer Cookbook, and it proves that food loves craft beer. John, it was a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your passion. We look forward to uh, to dishing again soon. Chef, my beer is my pleasure. Oh, Thanks so thank much. Thank you. A pleasure. We do think that this is the best of food and drink culture, and we'll continue to deliver Chef's perspective, recipes, and of course, culinary insight to you, great food lovers and eaters across the country into 2014. I loved talking with John. Isn't he a cool guy? Lana? Wonderful. Yes, yeah, really Wonderful delicious beer conversation. Ideas. Uh, this show is all about giving you the inspiration and the method yes. uh, to create your own dishes. So we would love your feedback, what you like and what you don't like. Yes, for sure. Please email us. One of the things we're working on in 2014 is uh, making sure we have the finger, our fingers on the pulse of what you're looking for from a gastronomic perspective. So uh, please take advantage, stay in touch. You can use our direct email address live, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com to get you to us and you'll find us here in 2014 on KFWB and heard on stations across the country. You can learn more at chefjamie.com. I loved what you mentioned, Lana, during the conversation uh, a little bit earlier about, about champagne. Yes, and you Did didn't you... quote the number, so you have to. <laughs> Did you know there are 49 million bubbles in a bottle of champagne? I- I'm going to suggest we just enjoy it and not count. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best thought for you, just so you know. Uh, we hope you're celebrating with bubbly. And maybe you're not putting out a full spread, or maybe you're going to someone's home to celebrate for New Year's. But I have a four-ingredient last bite. We like to call our last ounce or tidbit of information on this show our last bite, leaving you um, with something spectacular that you can put together simple and easy that will make you a culinary hero. And we like to say great chefs 
are made, not born. So I think the perfect New Year's Eve appetizer or starter that is beautifully paired with bubbly is a cherry brandy baked brie. And all you need is preferably a round brie where the cheese melts on the inside, um, you know, within the rind. Or if you just have a wedge of brie, that will work as well. And you take the brie itself in uh, a casserole dish, the wedge or the round, and you top it with a handful of dried cherries, a handful of walnuts, and uh, some packed brown, dark brown sugar. What I like to do as well is splash over it a good, generous pour of brandy. Now, you mm. like Grand Marnier. You could mm -hmm. use triple sec as well. Um, but you've got the brie, the dried cherries, the walnuts, the brown sugar, and the brandy. And in a 350-degree oven for about 15 to 20 minutes, you get this beautiful baked brie infused with the flavors of cherry and brandy. You can substitute apricots or cranberries for the dried fruit if you like. Uh, but I think that this impressive appetizer um, is so simple to make um, and a wonderful one for New Year's. And my favorite is a classic New Orleans oysters Rockefeller. Yeah, that's why I'm going to come to your house mm. early on New and Year's you, Eve. <laughs> you could even top those with uh, some caviar. Oh, you certainly could. Uh, I, I love the fact that oysters are now available year round and there's something celebratory too um, about enjoying with oysters, whether raw or cooked, roasted, even if you fire up the backyard barbecue here in Southern California, we have uh, 72 degrees year round, right? And some of the best oysters that um, we've ever had are um, laden with garlic butter and then finished with generous handfuls of Parmesan or Grana Padana on the grill, right? Where they all oh, bubble up. Oh. I mean, you could have a backyard New Year's Eve celebration as far as I'm concerned. I think only in Southern California. Yes, this year. well, <laughs> pop a bottle of bubbly and, and toast to the fact that we live in paradise. And please do continue to tune in in the coming Sundays so that we can share our passion and love for fabulous food with you. We hope that you will join us at the table. We thank you for listening each and every Sunday and for visiting chefjamie.com where we always serve up seconds. We'd like to thank our partners and sponsors who make this show possible as well. Thank you to Melissa's Produce, to Prosciutto de Parma, to Pacific Sales, um, to J. Laura Wines. You're going to hear more in the coming year uh, about what's really cooking across this country with culinary experts, visionaries, tips, tricks, and techniques from a chef's point of view. And we thank you for allowing us to indulge in our passion here in your radio every Sunday. Wishing you a very happy new year. Happy new year to all. Yes, and all the best in 2014. Until next Sunday, we'll see you at chefjamie.com. Be sure to tune in. Coming up next Sunday, January 5th, you'll hear from Tori Johnson, the GMA contributor, who's getting us uh, fit and healthy in the new year. Plus, he is Ivan Orkin, also known as Ivan Ramen. And we are going to bow our heads to the ramen king wait till you hear plus he's chef rick bayless and his new restaurant red o or his continuing legacy is truly delicious wait till you hear all about it chef jamie gwen along with lana in your radio we'll see you next sunday happy new year to you the preceding program has been brought to you by taste bud entertainment